What's going on, semi-pro cosplayers? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn some new tricks and to find a better way. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. Here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I felt like you were uh, you said that quickly, so I'm going to say here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. You know, we pay for these minutes. We pay by the minute. <laughs> Do we? I, nobody's yes. been, I haven't seen the bill. Wow. Podcasts are very expensive. They charge by the minute, at least uh, the one that I, that I go to does. Wait, do, does, that mean, not, we get, does that mean we get paid by the minute? No, no, we don't actually. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that is a shame. Because I, I could spend, you know, I could spend a few minutes. Yeah, you could spin a yarn there, couldn't you? <laughs> I could. I could. I'm not going to, but I could. That's fine. So, how's it going? Good, quiet week. Um, not um, we had a rehearsal yesterday. Uh, just a very quiet week. Um, the the activity that's going on is I'm busy getting some tracks together to show the boys, and mm-hmm. um, and they're excited about that. They're on board. And then the other band, Viva La Muerte, is buying a PA of its own. Ooh. And they're pretty much duplicating the rig I have for the Lincolns. Um, we used it one time, and they were impressed. So, um, nice. So we're getting something quite similar, um, pro- pro- possibly identical. Um, so, you know, I've been advising and consulting and giving opinions. Um, yes, and they're pretty much following them, which I like. I like when people follow my <laughs> opinions. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah when your when your word is taken and it is uh, accepted as uh, canon. Yeah. Yeah, boy, start a podcast is one way to do that. Yeah, it's true. We have somehow become authorities of some kind. (laughs) It's ridiculous, but there it is. I agree. It is quite ridiculous. Well, good stuff, man. Um, Now, you had a big show last night. We did. Um, We've been on this weird kick of doing these weekday corporate events. It's been kind of more prevalent towards uh, the last half of the year and then, you know, kicking off 2019. we played at the Lowe's Atlanta, which is a very schmancy hotel, and uh, it was for a conference. It wasn't a very big conference. They were, you know, probably 100, 200 people, um, but they went all out on production. It were, there were, you know, there was a full light show with moving mm. heads. We had three video screens playing like crazy stuff in the background. Um, if you head to our Instagram story, uh, on members only ATL, uh, we have some of it. It's it 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 looked absolutely insane, and the band. I think we were kind of digging the fact, that like, hey, this looks really neat, and and we mm-hmm. we played really well. Um, client was pleased. Uh, the the other thing that was really cool about that is that um, I don't know if you guys have uh, Lowe's hotels up that way. It's spelled L O W, not like Lowe's, the place where you get you know. Plumber's Putty, but uh, I'm familiar with the Plumber's Putty, and we also have a Lowe's Grocery here, but I don't think we have Lowe's hotels. So it is a um, it, it's a high end, you know, schmancy hotel. And one thing that we noticed from the drop because we've done a lot of these corporate events in a bunch of different hotels around town, um, they apparently Lowe's really cares about their experience, like your experience when you go there, uh, and that trickles down to vendors because um, everybody is very helpful. Uh, the bowels of that place were uh, well kept and painted and looked nice. Um, and the staff was incredibly accommodating and very, very nice. Uh, they completely sold me. Um, I would, I will definitely uh, frequent their hotels because um, 
they treated us very, very well. That's good. Our I've dinner, been in some... actually, I, I, one last br- kind yeah, of yeah. brag. Um, our dinner, we had chicken and filet on the same plate. Ooh. Turf oh. and turf. Come on, turf and turf. That's good. That's good. I have been in some hotel back hallways that were um, uh, borderline horrifying. Yeah, less than savory. Yeah, 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 and the food goes through there. The catering all comes through mm-hmm. that, you know. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. Glad to hear they take care of the behind the scenes too. It matters. Well, and it the, actually makes a the client was was super cool. They, you know, they were down to have a good time. Um, there was a bit of a snag because they uh, they wrote the check. Uh, they put the wrong name on the check, so um, mm. we had to kind of go back about that. But they were like, "Well, FedEx one next day today, so I should have it hopefully tomorrow or Monday at the latest." So. Good. Um, you know, it, it's important to get in in writing, but, uh, that doesn't always <laughs> mean that you, uh, yeah. you still get what you ask for, Yeah, but at least you have Sometimes something to lean on. Sometimes that's just a fallback. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, that's right. Well, um, you had said that you wanted to, to shout somebody out that you, something, something <laughs> yes. that was going on that you're excited about. That you wanted to share I, with our listener. I, I am so delighted about this. Not not least because of the pun that it is. Um, so uh, I, have, I don't know if you've ever you. We may have never discussed this, Adam, but uh, it is nonetheless the fact that I'm a massive Tom Waits fan. Uh, yeah, we have not. That has not been. That subject has not been broached. Massive, massive, massive Tom Waits fan. Huge, huge, huge. Ever since my first Tom Waits album was Nighthawks at the Diner. Um, so I knew him from his like jazzy, smoky troubadour days all the way through his weird alternative craziness in the nineties and up to what he's doing now and, um, loved his acting career. And it's just, he's, you know, ph- phenomenal, um, you know, iconic American songwriter, performer. sounds like he's gargling razor blades, yeah. you know? Um, I just remember and, my, um, my introduction to Tom Waits was that, uh, that music video where he's in like the tiny club and he's playing the mini guitar, uh, cause they played it yes. on Beavis and Butthead. Oh, well, there you go. I never, uh, yeah, I didn't see that on news. My head. I can't off the hand. I can pick. I, I have a picture of it in my head. I don't remember what. He like kind of crawls through like the back deal, and he like taps on the mic, but the mic's like the size of like a thimble. It's an interesting, yeah, visual. Yeah. Anywho. Well, um, so I uh, and I've often thought how great it would be to cover him, but it it wouldn't be right for the Lincolns in the slightest. Um, sure. Viva La Morte could cover some of his stuff, um, and he's done some stuff that's like almost poppy but it's got this weighty edge that pulls it into sort of a um just this wouldn't be right for really either of the bands i do um i have done i've covered him solo a couple of times uh, a couple mm-hmm. of tunes anyway i i discovered that up in Asheville, north carolina up in the mountains there is a tom waits tribute act no yeah and i've i've I, you know i've thought how cool it would be to just do a weights tribute and but like the commercial opportunity of it seems so limited and uh, uh, uh but this this dude's doing it and um and i don't know whether i love that it exists more or love what he named it more the name of this thing is tom waits for no man i get it and i just i literally just screamed at my at my computer screen when i saw that, that existed <laughs> I, I couldn't have been more happy immediately liked his page um Actually, what I saw, so here's an interesting thing, right? We talked a lot about how Facebook advertising is, you know, events and sharing and all that stuff is really just to come on for sponsored, you know, paid ads. What came across my Facebook feed was a sponsored ad from him for a show um, up in the mountains. I'm probably not going to go to it, but like, 
and and I my comment was I'm so glad that you you know Facebook decided to show me the sponsored ad because I have wanted such a thing to exist and I'm totally delighted and um, and I liked his page and a few days later he posted hey looking for gigs who should have me come play and and I replied and said would you ever come to Greensboro um, and he said well maybe I mostly I pick up musicians when, you know when I travel We're like. Okay. All right. So we need to work together, my friend. Yeah, twist to, my arm. Really, I'm going to find you a show for us to play together, and it's going to be an amazing thing. Um, so, uh, so, so that you may you may be hearing from me in my third project, <laughs> Tom Waits cover band, the auxiliary <laughs> substitute guitar player uh, for Tom Waits. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Bonus. Bonus. Extra. Yeah. Anyway, it was an, it was an exciting thing that probably I'm the only specific particular kind of nerd who enjoyed it, but I but I did. Good, good yeah. stuff. Um, speaking of things that uh, have brought me joy and glee in my life, um, I uh, I had this. You know, do you have an Audible account? Uh, no, I don't. You know what Audible is, though. Yes. I do. I do. Yes. It is just an audiobook deal. Um, I, it was one of those things where I was like, I knew I had one and, but I hadn't checked it. And I, I went onto, you know, my dashboard and it's like, you have three unused credits. I was like, Oh crap. Mm. I better get some. Um, and typically that arena is for like self-help stuff, business stuff, history stuff, just nerdy things that are supposed to be enriching. And I was like, you know what? Forget that. And um, I purchased Ready Player One. Ooh, nice! And um, it is—it's narrated by Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. And it's—I'm uh, like—it's basically any spare moment I've got, I'm—I'm I'm engrossed in it. Um, for those of you who don't know the premise of that movie, it's—it's um, it's kind of like a near future dystopia scenario where everybody basically everything sucks, and so everybody spends all of their waking hours in a, uh, in a virtual world. Um, but it's all, it all revolves around eighties pop culture. Um, yeah. and it's nerdy. Like it's, it's like for a guy who makes, you know, makes his salt doing eighties, <laughs> like this stuff is granular, but yeah. it's, uh, it is infinitely enjoyable. Um, I am enjoying it. It's, it's just like, uh, it's like a, a diet Coke for my brain. <laughs> you know, the other really great um audiobook I've enjoyed um in the last few years is um American Gods. Mm. There's a full cast recording of the book that is amazing. Oh, that sounds like fun. It's really amazing. If you haven't read that, man oh man oh man oh man, do you need to read that? Very cool. Speaking of very cool, um for those of you guys who are in the know, you know that Nam is next week in Anaheim. Um, <laughs> and guys like us just get all a flutter uh, because yeah. new stuff is coming out. Uh, for those yeah. of you who uh, are uh, modeler fans, uh, you might have noticed that Orange released something called the Pedal Baby 100, uh, which is kind of their take on what um, Seymour Duncan had released with and Quilter had released with their kind of uh, small format power amps for modelers. Hmm. Um, I will be getting my hands on one of those bad boys from Orange directly um, this week or next. And uh, I might just post a little video on our YouTube channel uh, telling you what it do and how it sounds and what I think of it. So I'm, awesome. I'm super excited about that. Um, That's cool. It pays to have friends in high places. There you go. 
And you see that uh, uh, Moore is coming out with a Helix. Competitor. Yes, I did see that. Um, you know, Moore is Moore's the company that Behringer should be, where they just like we did this and it comes out. Um, I suppose Behringer who says we're thinking about doing this, but it never comes out. Yeah, yeah. So big on yeah. them because they definitely are. Um, they might be doing it under less than ethical um, situations and they may be stealing intellectual property or at least ripping it off to a certain degree. Well, there has certainly been some claims of that. Oh, they're hitting a price point. No, they are, they are, uh, they are David and Goliathing this thing in a, in a way that um, is exactly how David won it. So. Yeah. I mean, if it sounds, <laughs> we'll see. If it sounds, if it sounds remotely as good as they, um, you know, they're claiming it could be, mm-hmm. uh, it could be a big deal. Um, I'm still yep. really gunning for an HX stomp. Uh, every time I load that massive pedal board up on stage and into my car, I'm like, Oh, I just got to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see what else thing, uh, people have going on. Line six has already kind of, you know, winked that there's some stuff coming out. Um, yes. It appears that they are going to be releasing another form of the Variax at the very least. Um, but there might be some fun goodies for the rest of us as well. See, I want a Variax, but I need it to be wireless, and that's never going to happen. Yeah, I don't know how you could really do that. But I, It's a lot of data. I've got a friend who, who plays a Variax 300, like one of the OG ones. Because um, mm-hmm. it's, ba- I mean, it's a Fuji Gen guitar. It's built fantastically but it's got no pickups yeah. but it sounds great it doesn't hurt that he's a great player and you know that makes sure it, that kind of helps a bit but yeah i mean he's been playing that thing forever uh and it sounds great so um i i there love this this time of year you know summer name not quite as much even though it's like right in my you know not too far from where i live um the one in anaheim in the uh winter slash spring is always exciting uh, it's a big game. Have you, you ever been to Nam? Uh, I'm not. Uh, I've gotten opportunities to go and do stuff with Orange at Nam. Um, I was supposed to go and go up last year, but we were uh, playing uh, on the road on that weekend, so it did not happen. Mm. It's very much a bucket list visit for me. That and um, uh, Sweetwater Gear Fest seems like a lot of fun too. Yeah, uh, our our buddy John has uh, he goes out to that every year to do. Uh, stuff for them so cool i don't know if i i mean the uh, some buddies of mine um i'll go ahead and shout them out there's a guy named uh jason dozer who um is a fabricator by day and a tribute singer by night um he's (laughs) got a business where he builds and fabricates custom mic stands and he's done them for everybody um cool like he he did his first one for James Labrie of Dream Theater. If you're uh, if you're mm. a nerd like me, but he's also done stuff for like Marilyn Manson and Lady Annabellum and Robert Plant and Richie Sambora and cool. every band you can think of. He's he's going to Nam uh, for his business and his uh, his Van Halen tribute eighty uh, four is playing at the Whiskey a Go Go that weekend, which is nice. pretty freaking cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Anywho, um, anywho, yeah. So that's that's what's going on here. Um, I can't wait to try out new gear. I'm a gear guy. I love gear. Yeah, I, my gear my gear lust is way down since the Helix. Yeah, I it's used to get you know a, a new pedal every you know uh, seemed like every month I had some new thing to rotate through my board. And these days it's already all in the Helix, and I'm just messing with presets. 
Yeah, I um I definitely found a new uh setup that I really like uh from worship music. It's called the Archigator. It is the um Arshon mm. mixed with the Litigator uh and kind of nice. a contemporary chimey worshipy kind of sound uh with my cool. PRS Strat. It sounds really, really great. It's really full and open and it has some of the atmospheric stuff if I need it. But otherwise it's just a good sounding clean uh with an eight oh eight and a clon in front of it and uh it does 90% of what I needed to do and whatever it does, I've got a 5150 to do anything heavier than that. Right. Right. So, um, we were talking about gear and, and all of that. And we, uh, we were so fortunate to have, uh, picks of destiny, uh, give us a discount code exclusively for our listeners and, uh, the hits keep coming. So if you will hang in there towards the end of this episode, we will give you another, discount code for another vendor that um, I personally have used and have been very pleased with. And I think you guys will like as well. Well teased, man. Hey man, we, we totally screwed the pooch last time. So no, but I, we I, got I, it I in. Ahead. We got it in under 18 minutes. We did. Um, I don't know. I, I think our numbers might be up slightly. That might've been the, um, the in- initiative t- for some people to actually listen to it all the way through. Sweet. All right. Anyhow. Um, we got ourselves a little bit of fan mail. Oh, fan mail. So um, this came from our from the Cover Band Confidential blog of all places. Uh, yes, we do have a blog. It was the thing that started this whole shebang. Um, it's it's kind of where the um, the nucleus of this uh, movement, I guess, started. And yep. somebody found it and um, sent us a comment. Uh, which probably means we weren't talking about the email address because we may or may not have had it when we started. <laughs> Anywho, here's what it says. This is uh, our friend Dave, who is from Chicago, and he had this to say. Boys, we're men, but I'll take it. Stumbled across your podcast a couple days ago, and it's really great. I agree. Thank you. <laughs> I found affirmation that in some cases I am doing the right thing. And I've learned some stuff along the way, too. That's always nice. I've probably binged 10 episodes in the last 24 hours. Oh, man, you need to pace yourself because that's like nine and a half hours of me and this guy just bleh. Uh. And as an occasional amateur podcaster myself, I can hear you guys get better in each episode. He must be starting at the beginning. <laughs> he started at the, the, the beginning was dire. It's... Yeah, not great. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's see. Um it's great to hear about cover band life from to- two totally different sides of the business. Uh, being in a Chicagoland 90s cover band, the struggle is real. And I appreciate mm. having people to listen to that actually get it. Um, it also, I also appreciate that you guys are engaged and listen to each other. Um, I will leave that last part out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're, not, we're not trying to build any bad blood between anybody. So... Uh, but he had some he had some commentary. There was yeah there was a there was a, a praise of us that was um, a cute subtle comment on jab at maybe somebody else. But we're all about togetherness. So he had a couple things that he wanted um, some topics to cover, and maybe we can we can crank all of these out in one episode, and we can just call this the Dave episode, the Dave episode, Dave episode. Maybe. And um, uh, uh, did uh, Dave tell us um, what his band is, where he is, any contact info? Yeah, so he is in a group called The Rack and the Riddler. Uh, You can find them at www.therackandtheriddler.com and is spelled out. 
Um, they are in fact a, uh, a 90s cover band. Uh, their slogan slash tagline is um, 90s and 90s-ish rock. <laughs> and I, um, I did listen to some of their stuff and the first thing that popped up when, uh, when I went to their site was uh, Jets, Are You Gonna Be My Girl? Which would fall into 90s-ish, I would say. Yep, yeah, that'd be ish. Uh, and they, they've definitely got their act together. They've got a nice looking website. They've got good promo. They actually said one of the things that we need to harp on more, which I think he hasn't gotten far enough because if anybody knows this podcast, we have basically talked about this nonstop for the past six months hmm. is that a uh, good promo video is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just thinking he may not have made it this far. So, but good advice nonetheless. There you go. So, the first thing for this Davisode is how do you pick which songs to do in parentheses vote or dictatorship? Dan. Well, with the clinky Lincolns, we are, um, um, whereas I am the business manager, um, artistically, we're pretty much a democracy. And what that means mm -hmm. is somebody will come in with a song and we will discuss it. And we're pretty, we're pretty dispassionate about that. We've gotten to where um, a suggestion is just a suggestion and not a measure of someone's worth as a human being. Um, yeah. Um, and a lot of times we'll, we'll take a song in and try it out. And, you know, by the time we get together with it the first time, the expectation is that everybody's at least sort of figured out the basic structure of it. We don't, you know, if there are um, – tricky lead parts or some really twitchy baseline we'll probably we, we might say we want to try it all together before committing to doing that work um and we will we'll uh we'll try a song out uh, we pretty much we will try out any suggestion um because who knows you know we, yeah. we sometimes get surprised by stuff but turning out to be great um and then we've gotten to where we know pretty fast in the practice room, if a song's not gelling with our feel or if we don't think it's going to do what we want it to do. I mean, when, when I, when I make the set list, I'm looking for, uh, certain percentages of certain kinds of songs. Um, can you hear the church, the bell tolling? The, can you uh, hear that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, just ask not for whom the point is that, um, sometimes we need a new mid tempo tune. Sometimes we're out of like, sort of thinkers and we need another, you know, so it's not all just pounding dance stuff. Um, so we'll try a thing out. If, if it sort of, everybody kind of looks at each other and nods after we try it in the room, we will, um, work on it in a, maybe one or two more rehearsals and then we'll put it in a show and see how it does. Um, but it's a very collaborative process. It's a very, um, you know, someone will hear a song on the radio and be like, Oh, we should do that. And, Sometimes the conversation that follows just ends it right there. And, um, but more often we say, all right, let's give it a shot. And we bring it into the practice room and, and, and beat it up a little bit and see what happens. Yeah. So, um, for us, it is, it's not quite as democratic. Um, what I typically do is I, um, this is kind of like a, a long drawn out process. And we, I think we have covered this kind of in passing in other episodes um, because what we do is um, not really genre specific, but decade specific. Um, I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm a big data person. So what I uh, have done is um, you can Google uh, 
Billboard top 100 hits of every year. Um, I typically would take the top 10 of every year, put it in a spreadsheet, and then kind of slowly work my way through those songs to come down to, you know, what I think is a, uh, an acceptable, uh, palette of songs. And then, you know, I do want input and I'll be like, Hey, what do you think about these, these tunes? And, um, everybody does get their say. The thing that I've honestly run into is that a lot of times I ask for feedback and I don't get it. Um, so, you know, I end up making the decision on my own. Um, we've gotten to the point now where the song list is pretty deep already. And so we might learn a, a song or two just to, out of necessity for a particular event. Um, but we've kind of settled into a certain group of songs that we play pretty regularly. Um, we have um, lovingly dubbed it the Marina set um, because at some point we played a Marina um, <laughs> this past summer yeah. and the flow just worked really well. Um, there was kind of like a good momentum to it and it kind of, it, it just, it was, it was well laid out. Um, but it's, it had gotten to the point um before the the Venkman's gig where uh, I just basically said, I am sick to death of the Marina gig. I'm sick. To the, I don't <laughs> yeah. want the Marina set anymore. Yeah. So yeah, no, you have to, you have to mix it up. You have to mix it up. Otherwise, yeah, you go nuts. So the, the last two that we added were uh, physical by Olivia Newton, John, which I enjoy the hell out of. Um, it's a nasty song though. Yeah. Uh, it was originally um, meant for Rod Stewart. So you should go and listen to that song again and imagine Rod Stewart singing it. And you would be like, yep, that makes sense. Wow. Cause, wow. cause it is, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty oh, nasty it's, song. Yeah. It's, it's straight dirty. And then the other one was straight up by Paula Abdul, which, oh, nice. uh, which rocks in a way that I was not expecting it to. Oh, Paula, Paula had the, she had it going on. She really did. And there is a fair amount of guitar in it. Um, and whatever, whenever there's kind of like quiet stuff, I'm just, I just started doubling the little synth line. So that's what I'm doing. Um, So yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. Um, At least in our, I mean, our, our our organizational structures are different fundamentally between you and I. Yes. So um, I, I definitely, I, you know, my role in the group is creative director. So ultimately I do have, say in it, but, uh, there've been plenty of times where I have made calls and the band has either, uh, gone with it and proven me wrong. Um, I think they've just learned to do that. They're like, <laughs> no, we'll just let him flame out. Um, Wang Chung is, Wang uh, Chung. is I was going to so say locked yeah. in on that damn song. And they're like, <laughs> okay, we'll play it. And by gosh, we, we played it and, uh, yeah. I learned my lesson. So there you have it. Nobody Wang Chung that night. Yeah. Most of the people, um, did the exact opposite of Wang Chunging, uh, and they left the dance floor. So is, maybe that is what Wang Chunging is. Yeah. So, uh, Dave, if you are, uh, curious about that, I think that really boils down to the organizational structure of the band itself. Um, I, I do like the way that you said it though, is that it's, it's not, you know, any bearing or, uh, weight, uh, on the value of the person who asked for it. Oh yeah. Um, I think that's a, that's a good, a good thing to distinguish. Um, and I've definitely, I mean, there are songs in our set that uh, have been suggested by other people that uh, were great additions that, you know, may have been on my list, but weren't on my radar. So yeah. I'll tell you the other thing, um, too. If you have songs you really just are, they're dear to your heart and you want to cover them, but they're not right for, a, you know, in our case, like a funk rock dance party band, or in your case, yep. an 80s band, or in his case, a 90s and 90s-ish band, start doing acoustic shows. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you, can cover, you, you can go, you can go as deep a cut as you want. And, it's true. and um, you know, the room kind of tunes out maybe, or maybe they enjoy it even though they don't know it. Um, but that's all fine with an acoustic show. You get them right back on the next tune. Um, yeah. The risk is way lower of, of, um, you know, solo acoustic, you're not filling a dance floor anyway. That's not the, that's not the measure. So, um, you have a lot more room to experiment. Also, the covers done by Psychedelic Americana Originals Band can be way deeper cuts. Um, I'm doing yeah, really. Again, that's that's it's knowing your market. Totally, totally, totally. And you know, we in in our in my particular realm, you know, we don't really get bonus points for being clever. We kind of need nope. to. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No. No. Or playing that song you really love. You know, last night um, I rehearsed with. Uh, girl singer and fiddler of Viva La Muerte because we have a couple of tunes we want to work up really nice harmonies on. And one of them is a song called What's the Matter by Milo Green. Mm-hmm. Um, just gorgeous. Find that tune if you don't know it. It's amazing. And then yeah. don't ever cover it because it's wrong for every cover band except, you know, this Psychedelic Americana Originals band that does some covers. Yeah. Um, I think it's really going to work there and I would never dream of trying else, out the Clanky yeah. Lincolns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've said it before, um, satisfied by Richard Marks. That's, that's my barometer. Yeah. Things I love that I will never play. Never, ever, likely. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Waits songs, for instance. Yeah, exactly. Takes um, a special project to make that happen. We've got a couple that I'm, I'm trying to convince people on. Um, I want to do simply irresistible by Robert Palmer. Oh. We do addicted to love. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd love to have something with a bit more oomph to it. And I just love singing it. Cause it's just like, to me, besides Bad Case of Loving You, that's like peak Robert Palmer to me. Yeah, he, he, like just he yeah. just the aesthetic and the the vocal lines and just his delivery is just pitch yeah. perfect, just amazing. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Speaking of pitch perfect, um, at our gig last night, um, one of the gals uh, who had put the thing on it said Anna Kendrick is in the hotel. Oh, I'm like somebody find her and tell her to crash this party, but she didn't. Yeah. Um, uh. But around this time last year, around uh, St. Patrick's Day, we played at a place downtown, and um, the cast part of the cast was there because uh, they were shooting Pitch Perfect Three in Atlanta. And the, one of the production assistants actually did reach out to us about playing their rap party. Um, mm. We didn't get to do it because the timing was wrong. Uh, but then um, we another person from another deal that I think we never really got the full deal, but I was fairly certain it was Stranger Things um, also approached us. But Sweet. the thing that um, you have to understand with that industry is that um, deadlines get pushed and dates get moved. So we locked in yeah. probably five different dates and then it just fell apart. So, right. Um, right. but yeah, that was just a, a, a non sequitur. It just kind of popped up in my head. I forgot. No, I love that. it. That's great. That's great. So, yeah. Um, and right, what's a, our next item? Let's see. Um, I will save the next one and go to the, uh, how, how do you book festivals? Dan? <laughs> well, so um, not having had a lot of track record on this or a lot of success at it, frankly, I can tell you what I've tried. And so far, um, it's been a little bit successful. We played, um, we've now played one thing that for sure was a festival and um, some other sort of public, pub, big, big public events where we were not the only act. Um, but it didn't use the word festival. Um, in all cases, how we got in was some relationship we had prior to the booking being open. Ding, 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 never, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I've never seen a booking be like posted and you responded to it and then they got back to you. No, what happens is they don't get back to you. Right. And um, uh, But if you happen to know 
somebody there if you happen to be connected with it already and and um and how you do that is you build a track record of performing in a lot of different venues mm-hmm. and you just network like crazy yeah um and um you know that solves a lot of problems beyond just festival booking that you know that gets you into you know the 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 woman who books for our 4th of July festival in town here um also books all the music for the public parks mm-hmm. and they do um Wednesdays at noon they do um all through the summer they do um a full moon thing on the night of the full moon um bunch of stuff like that and a lot of kids events that you know you could we could bend our our music to be right for sure um so that relationship um i'm kind of just at the beginning of that relationship really working i've known her for a while she she was the one who booked me for that christmas thing oh yeah yeah, yeah. um in the park and yeah. so um uh christmas you know but Think it, no, the, it was the it was not the fourth. No, she also she also books the fourth of July. Uh, anyway, uh, see what I did. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the point is that it really is all about the relationships, and and you can't um, if you're starting from zero on that. The thing to do is to start now and start meeting people and start reaching out and um, and as your name grows and as the buzz about you grows, you know the, those bookers are listening to the word on the street just like a venue booker mm-hmm. um, and. Um, so it's just about building your name and building your, your track record and, and, um, you know, kind of having faith that that'll come. Yeah. So here's another thing. Um, and you kind of, you, you talk, you, you hit two of the points that I was, uh, I was kind of going for. Um, one was, um, previous, uh, previous relationships. And the other mm-hmm. one was, um, one person being charged of lots of things. Um, that's one thing you're, you are going to realize is that in a lot of these, uh, situations, um, you know, the, the local municipalities don't typically have a person on staff whose sole responsibility is to book live music for city sanctioned events or public stuff. Um, they almost all sub it out to a third party. Um, and what I have, uh, come into contact with is, um, there are small little pockets of these agencies um, or these production companies that kind of book all of those events regionally. Mm-hmm. Um, in our case, what I, what I did was um, I reached out to the owner directly as I introduced myself and I said, hi, my name is Adam and I've got this band called members only and we'd love to work with you guys in the future. Um, can we set up a meeting? And um, he, you know, he wrote back and said, yeah, absolutely. We went and we had coffee. And, um, by the end of that week, I had six municipal dates booked. That's great. Now that has in, since that time, you know, demand has changed and bands have come and gone. And so we haven't gotten as many of those, uh, as we have previously, but that is the kind of thing you, you do need to kind of look into. Um, and typically you can do that. There's, there's two good times to do that. It's either do it, you know, in a timely fashion so you could potentially get on to the event or do it right before the event happens or right after the event happens and just email the person or a person affiliated and say, Hey, who do I need to get in touch with if I w- was interested in doing this? Um, and most of the time that's not privileged information and, and they right. won't have any problem giving right. it to you. Right. Right. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think reaching out after the event is smart before the event, their hair's on fire. They don't, they got no time. Sure. Well, what I mean before the event is, you know, I mean, not day of, but like, you know, there, 
everybody knows that when they see an event and they hear it's coming, you know that they've already made the oh they've already made those decisions. Yeah, way too late. And I'm just saying, like, don't use that as an excuse to not reach out. That's probably a good time to do it um, because they don't feel the pressure of rejecting you or turning you down because the decision's already been made. Right, and they don't feel that kind of. Uh, they may be a bit more free with that information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation is do your research, uh, get some names, um, start scheduling coffees and, um, and just trying to try to build those relationships. Cause you never know when, you know, that, that, that production company still calls us randomly for stuff all over the Southeast. So that's good. I'll also add this, um, festivals and, uh, big public events, um, might be my one exception to the rule about never playing for less money than you're worth. Agreed. Um, there, you're going to play for less money than you're worth at those things. They don't, they don't really have budgets per se, but you know, if you're in front of a few thousand people, I mean, that pays for itself. You, that's just yeah. in terms of the name, name recognition that that fosters. It's, it's, we think it's worth it. Well, and also you, you, you can look at it a couple of different ways. A lot of times, you know, they, they bring, uh, a real high end production in, and it's an excuse to play a fun show on a big stage with a big True. PA and True. a cool lighting show. And, and, and that in itself, the experiences is, is adds value to it on top of the, you know, slightly, you know, I guess, uh, no, I can't think captive audience. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Captive audience. Yeah. So, you know, there is an exposure component to it and we joke around a lot that, Oh, you know, you can die from exposure, but you should also look at those things strategically. Um, yep. there are, there are good reasons to, um, to take a, a pay cut, um, for a number of reasons, either it, it could be a fun experience or it could be a good promotion. And, you know, you never know, uh, you know, a, a, a bar offering you exposure to their 50 patrons yeah, that's horse crap. That's horse crap. A, a festival or a big public event offering, you know, a few hundred bucks, you know, a pittance compared to what you ought to be paid to play in front of a few thousand people. Yeah, I'll take yeah. that. I'll take that. Yes. Not a problem. And you know what? A lot of times um, playing one of those events for less money and doing a good job means that you will get the opportunity to play those events in the future for more money. True. If you can prove yourself worthy. Yep. Uh, speaking of proving yourself worthy, um, I'm going to go on to the next topic, which oh, is um, in his his quote, he wrote, how to deal with DB competitive bands. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming <laughs> that he is referring to the political cartoon Doonesbury, ah. uh, which I don't think has anything to do with what we are talking about. Um, but Although uh, Bill, uh, doesn't, um, Bill the Cat has a metal band, doesn't he? Uh, yes, I think you, I think you might be on a something, um, in all seriousness, um, I think he's talking about douchebags. Uh, I think we all know who they are. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, well, you know, you never know. We may have emotionally aware people who listen to this and and realize that they might be douchebags themselves, but typically we, you know, like to point our fingers at other people. Um, uh, and what he was basically, um, inferring was, uh, bands who steal your songs, your social and your branding. Now I take issue with the first one. Me too. Um, competitive cover bands don't steal songs. They're not your songs, right? You don't own them. Somebody else does. Um, now, now, well, no, hey, right, now, hang on. So look, if I dig way back into my brain and I think of some tune, what's a, what's one we do that um, blows people away that we do it. Um, uh, 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 wishing well, Terrence Trent Darby. Yes. Nobody does that. 
Um, but we crush it and we kind of give it like a groove and people get up and dance into it and surprised that they're dancing to wishing well of all things. Um, if I heard another band covering our cover of that, I would, I would not, I would not have warm feelings about that. Sure. Um, but again, this is one of those things and, and, and kind of coming around to my, I think the point that I'm, I'm trying to yes. make in, in this, yes. um, if they're stealing your social and your branding, that's a totally different oh, yeah. thing. That's intellectual property. Those are things that you've created. Like you can take issue with that. Um, recently I did see a, um, I, and it, it, oddly enough, they were both nineties bands. There was a nineties group called Monica's cigar, <laughs> which is uh, a pretty, a pretty uh, nasty that's awful. Uh, band oh, that's name. Awful. Maybe um, laugh, but it's awful. It's been around. They've been around for a couple of years and they play maybe, three, four times a year. It's just kind of like a side project for a couple of guys. Um, the other day, um, another nineties band was booking a, a, an event at a, or at a similar venue and they were called Bill's blue dress. Now see that feels a bit derivative. Yeah. Um, so much so that actually the guy who had the other band, um, posted on that post and was like, are you guys kidding me? And then put their, their logo underneath it. So I don't know whatever came of it. It was a bit too drama for what I'm interested in. Um, but these things do happen. And the thing that you have to be aware of though, is that if there are people in your market that are willing to copy or steal your information or your intellectual property or your song lists, that means that they don't have the creativity and probably the ability to come up with stuff on their own. And what they're basically doing is they're creating a poor facsimile of what you sell. So you shouldn't really concern yourself with those people. You can acknowledge them and you can be annoyed by them, but you really shouldn't be focused on what they are or aren't doing because for all intents and purposes, um, they're not hurting your business per se, because if you are, if, if you, I mean, it really boils down to your, your talent and your ability and the work that you put into it. Um, you know, the most successful groups in this industry aren't always the most talented. Um, but don't get me wrong. Talent is a hundred percent important. Uh, but it's the guys who work the hardest, um, yeah. or some kind of mixture of talent and hard work. Uh, but hard work is almost always in the, uh, you know, it's, if it's not number one, it's number two, um, on top of the fact that you, you do have to be kind of good. So, you know, I think the other thing that I'd say is that the, um, um, once you are semi prominent in a scene, um, ripoffs of you will start to jump out at the scene as a problem. You know, if, if somebody was running around central North Carolina here, booking themselves as, you know, the, the clunky, I don't even know. The lanky Clintons. Yes. Um, uh, the venues that I've talked to, whether they booked me or not, would that would jump out to them. I think that would. I think they'd be like, "Wait a minute!" I think they would be aware that that was not um, entirely kosher. And um, I don't know what they do about that, but they're not fooling anybody. Those people who are doing the knockoff marketing business, they, they're really they're you know they're fooling their own draw. Yeah. Who doesn't, you know, like any, anybody who would come because they are friends or coworkers who aren't 
hip to what's happening in the scene might be fooled by that. Um, but God bless. You're not, those aren't, that's not going to be your audience anyway. Yeah. Uh, and the well, people who, the people who are in the scene who are playing or booking or whatever, I think that I just think they're savvier than that. I think they're aware, um, when that kind of thing happens and, and, um, I think it doesn't take very much disapproval to have it stop, frankly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a, there's another members only in Atlanta. Hmm. Like they exist. Um, and once I found out about it, I kind of freaked for a little bit, but, um, I, I don't worry about that anymore. Um, up until they blocked me on Facebook, anytime somebody posted our pictures on their page and I would correct them, um, (laughs) You know, I mean, that's really all they're doing is they're getting they're They are misrepresenting uh, what they do as what we do. And um, they can't do what we do. So I'm not worried about it. Right. So, you know, that's just you have to be confident in, in what your what your product is and what you provide. Yeah. I have considered trademarking the Clinky Lincolns. Um, as far as I can tell, there is nobody using a name anywhere like that. In fact, um, when I did the DBA, I searched the business names in North Carolina and I, either, either the search tool was broken or there is no business in North Carolina that has the word clanky in its name. Yeah. I remember you saying that that's, that's a, a funny distinction to have. Uh, yeah. So, um, um, you know, a, a knockoff would jump right out. Um, but, but I think it would also maybe make it very trademarkable and very easy to do. I just haven't, um, to spend the money or engaged in what it would take to do that. Yeah. I mean, that is another avenue to take. You could legally make sure that people can't copy you. You can trademark yep. your name and you can, you can enforce yep. those kinds of things. Um, there's a, you know, Yacht Rock Review had to sue Chris right. Christopherson, not Chris Christopherson, right. Christopher Cross, I'm sorry, right. the Salem guy. Cause he wanted to use uh Yacht Rock as a, as a, in his, in the name of the tour. And um, they're like, we own it. We own the using the the term yacht rock yep. in live performance, and um, so yeah, they sued yeah. him and yeah. won. So that is another way totally. to do it. Litigious, well, more threatening, else. threatening to be. You know the um, the other thing um, yeah. that was um, worth um, pointing out. I don't know if we need to spend a lot of time on it, but um, copying our branding, he said, right? Um, yeah. I'll just remind everyone your brand is way more than your logo. Way more than your logo. It's Correct. way more than, you know, a strap line or a the slogan or a motto or, uh, or any of that. A brand is about, uh, your personality. Your brand is about the promise of the experience people have when they're with you. And if someone can copy that, they are, you know, Meryl Streep because they're literally copying your personality DNA. So on a certain level, you really don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that really is the, the crux of it is that, you know, people can't, you cannot be duplicated yeah. Yeah. or, you know, facsimiled in, in, in that kind of way. Right. You just can't. It can be fake. So that's inauthentic you know, and people see through that. And, and, and again, you know, there's, there's always going to be, scrubs in in your local yep. music scene and you you need to acknowledge them for what they are get no and me. don't but don't we don't want exactly them. um 
we don't no we don't want no scrubs um and just you know do yeah. what they do just yeah. disregard them yeah, exactly you know i i don't suffer fools so um you know there are plenty of 80s bands and you know as soon as as far as i'm concerned we have um, we are, we are in the top echelon of eighties bands in this area. Um, there are bands who are ahead of us and there are bands that are behind us. Um, but I, I know where we stand and, you know, if I don't feel like you're worth the sweat or stress, uh, I will yeah. disregard. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you just gotta have confidence in what you bring to market. You know, I know the yeah. Clanky Lincolns is one of the, mo- one of the most fun party bands in town. Are we the, you know, biggest prodigies on our instruments no but we're the most fun you're going to have listening to a band and you know part uh, a lot of that has to do with the chemistry between the two of us at the front of the room and the energy of our back line and there's just it you could never duplicate it you could never duplicate it exactly. so you know in in a certain way i think the general advice is don't sweat it yeah do not sweat it all right and the last one is good. It's going to feel like a bit of a down, like a, it, it doesn't quite, we're, we're, we're not ramping up anymore. <laughs> um, this just ties into what uh, I had foreshadowed earlier on. Um, so the, uh, the question that we will wrap up with is lighting. Is it worth it? Any suggestions? Totally, so, totally worth it. Yeah, I, it is worth it. There, there are things that, um, you know, it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be ridiculous. You mean, lighting is one of those things that you could spend, you could spend money oh, yeah. on. If you, if you got money to spend, Ooh, you can spend it because uh, lighting is not cheap, but it doesn't have to be expensive either. Um, I don't know about you guys. I feel like we've touched on this before, but like our light rig is honestly, it's two Chauve four bars and that's it. Yeah. We have a four bar and a gig bar. Yeah. That one's got like the, the flashies and the got some flashies and some blinkies and some pointies. Yeah. And, and then I have a, um, a haze machine that I put underneath that to make it, you know, shoot beams instead of just spots. Sure. Um, and you know, it, it changed the character of the room. It really does. I have the, the four bar pointed at us on kind of a slow color change mode that I've never touched. I haven't touched in a year. It just changes color. Yeah. happily. And I've got the gig bar on a flashy setting that I liked and I haven't changed that in a year. And we just stand it up and point some fog at it and, it, it turns the room into a party. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have two of them. We either put them in front of uh, the stage kind of off flanking to light the band and the, and the dance floor up, or we've kind of put them, um, we put them behind us. We put them to the side of us. It really just depends on the room that we're in. Yeah. Um, and, and we're definitely looking at things like uplighting and, and those kinds of things. But I will tell you the one piece of lighting that I have invested in recently uh, that I think, uh, is well worth the, um, the money and has been a, um, it's just been one of those things that like, I just love to see it. And I, I, we get a lot of positive feedback about it, but, um, at the end of last year, I purchased a, um, an led drum light for our kick drum. Um, we, we had flipped our, we had had a, a, a custom black, um, front head for our kick made that's got our logo on it. And I swear every single time we'd wrap up, people like, what is your name again? <laughs> I was like, it's members only. It's like, we're wearing the jackets. It's right there. And they're like, Oh, like the jackets. You're like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, so, you know, clearly there was a disconnect there. It wasn't, it wasn't landing. So what we opted to do was instead of a white 
I'm sorry, instead of a black one, we, we opted to get a white one, um, got it reskinned and, um, bought this, uh, this drum light. Uh, it is made by a company called galaxy and you can buy them on Amazon, which is fantastic, or you can buy from them direct. Um, and I, I think you should buy from them direct and I'm about to tell you why. Um, but the cool thing about what they do, there's, um, there's another company called drum light L I T E that also sells, um, kits for different deals or, you know, they also, I think do on the pearl crystal beats, uh, they actually have one that's like, it, you can buy it from the factory with the lights already in it, which is mm. cool. Um, if you want to play an acrylic drum set, um, but what we were looking for was just something that kind of drew attention to it. And the, the, the thing that I really like about the galaxy setup is that it includes a trigger, meaning that you can set the, um, the kick light to actually flash, um, whenever the kick drum is hit, which immediately gives you a dynamic light show. Yep. Requires no programming, requires no DMX, no training, no interfaces, no nothing. Cool. Um, you plug it in and it just does what it does. And it can do like a pulse or it can change colors every time you hit it. It can, it can stay lit the whole time. So what we typically do is when we, after we're set up, we leave it on. So it's just like white light shining through the kick. So our logos right there. But the thing you have to think about is that if you were standing in front of the stage, um, every time the drummer hits that kick drum, that logo is flashed in front of your face over and over hundreds of times. And, um, we had a, we had a fill in sound guy and he's like, dude, I don't know what you pay for that thing, but like, it's, it's worth every single penny. Cause every single person has walked up to me and was like, man, that looks really neat. And, He's like, it does look neat. So <laughs> I, I, I can't stress enough. Um, they're not terribly expensive. You know, the, the Xiaomi four brother we bought was like three, 400 bucks. This thing yeah. is like 120, nice. um, well worth it. So, um, what I'm going to drop on you guys is this, uh, I reached out to them. And another thing that I like about galaxy is that they are a relatively small company. Uh, their pricing is fair. And if you take a picture and tag them in it and it's showing off their stuff, they will retweet you. They will repost you. They will tag you in their posts. Uh, they have promoted us uh, quite a bit. So I am a, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of Galaxy Drum Lights and what they offer. And so I reached out to them. I said, hey, um, I really love your product. My band really loves your product. And I'd love to um, share this with our, our listeners. Is there anything that you can do for us? So if you go to galaxydrumlights.com, and purchase one of their kits, which they have, you know, single ones just for uh, for kick drums. They have them for full kits. They've got all kinds of stuff. And you use the code Galaxy10 at checkout, you will save 10% off of your purchase. Uh, compliments of your best buddies in Cover Band Confidential. Um, I highly recommend it. It's, it, you know, the whole operation costs less than $200. So um, paid... 60, 70 bucks for the head. Uh, I paid 60 or 70 bucks to get the, um, the logo put on it. And then 120 something for that. And, um, man, just huge difference, just instant production value, best $200 we've spent as a band in all year by a long shot. So, you know, you've got, you got custom picks that you can get from, um, picks of destiny. You got galaxy drum lights, uh, getting it there. So we're, we're just doing whatever we can to, uh, Make sure that you guys go further faster and, you know, do what you can do. If you want to hear your questions answered, uh, you can email us. 
coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. Just like Dave did, you could go to our blog, which is a thing. It exists. It's coverbandconfidential.wordpress.com. And um, you can also support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash coverbandconfidential. Throw us a couple of bucks so we can uh, continue to generate good content for you. Uh, I've got a couple of other ideas on, you know, getting, you know, kind of helping us generate more content and, and kind of increase our quality. You know, that's something we're always trying to do. We want to make sure that we're giving you a good product. So um, stay tuned for that. Another successful recording in the books. Well, I will call it for this week. From Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. Here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. You have been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, episode 38. Have a good week.